You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour. NASDAQ futures rally on the heels of earnings from Alphabet. The Google parent surges after announcing a 20-for-1 stock split. Fed signals also help sentiment as officials hint of a measured pace for rate hikes. And oil trades near a seven-year high ahead of today's OPEC meeting. Funeral services are today for the second NYPD officer killed in an ambush in Harlem. Plus, Russian President Putin speaks out about Ukraine. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Tom Brady officially retired a blockbuster NFL lawsuit. The Nets lost. The Rangers won. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures gaining this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 34 points. Dow futures up 47, and NASDAQ futures up 219, or 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury down 230 seconds. The yield 1.79%, and the yield on the two-year 1.17%. Comex Gold is up a tenth of a percent, or $2.10, at 1803.60 an ounce. The euro, 1.1313 against the dollar. And Bitcoin at $38,585. Nathan. Well, Karen, the boost in NASDAQ futures comes in part thanks to corporate earnings. Let's begin with Alphabet. Those shares up more than 10% after the Google parent beat profit and sales estimates and announced a stock split. Ed Ludlow joins us with the details from our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco. It was a beat on the top and bottom line for Alphabet, the parent company of Google. And all signs really point to a resilient advertising business. But really, it was news of a stock split that drove activity in after hours for Alphabet. The company is doing a 20 for 1 stock split in the form of a one-time special stock dividend. And as part of that split, Google's parent is going to give one-tenth of a cent for each share of the company's Class A, Class B, and Class C stock. And Ruth Porat, who is Alphabet CFO, told Bloomberg that the rationale here is to widen the net and make the stock more accessible to investors. 
Ed Ludlow, Bloomberg News, San Francisco. All right, Ed, thank you. Adding to the bullish sentiment this morning is AMD. Shares the chipmaker up more than 11%. The company had a surprisingly strong sales forecast, suggesting it's making further gains on rival Intel. And shares of General Motors are up less than 1%, Karen. GM earnings topped estimates, while its outlook for 2022 remained unchanged. We get more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. GM is seeing signs of an easing in the semiconductor shortage that curbed vehicle output and dented its market share last year, but it's cautioning sales and profit for 2022 may be little changed. GM was hit among the hardest in the fourth quarter when a 43% drop in domestic sales forced the company to relinquish its crown as top U.S. automaker for the first time since 1931. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. We'll have more on GM later this morning on Bloomberg Surveillance. We'll speak live with CEO Mary Barra. That's coming up at 9 a.m. Wall Street time on both Bloomberg Radio and Television. And Nathan, earnings continue to roll in today with nearly three dozen companies reporting. Heading the list, Facebook owner Meta Platforms. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. In its first earnings report, under its new corporate name, Facebook's owner Meta Platforms is expected to report a burst in digital advertising revenue last quarter and solid holiday sales of its Oculus VR headset. Bloomberg analysts forecast total revenue of $33.43 billion, a 19% jump from a year ago, with nearly all of that from advertising. Look for earnings per share of $3.94. And on the earnings call, expect the company to be pressed to better explain the metaverse, the virtual reality platform it's basing its future on. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Tom, thank you. Turning from earnings now, markets are also getting a boost from the Fed. Central bank officials are laying out a measured approach to the path for rate hikes this year, and we get that story live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The measured calls from Fed leaders are different from Wall Street forecasts, which include as many as seven rate hikes this year. Some even predict a 50 basis point hike next month. So far, none of the Fed officials speaking this week have backed the idea of such an increase in March. The most hawkish of them all, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard, says five hikes is, quote, not too bad a bet. Kansas City Fed Chief Esther George is another hawk, and she says ideally the Fed prefers to go gradually. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. Fed officials will be paying close attention to this week's economic data. And this morning, we get the first of three reports on the labor market. Because see a dramatic slowdown in business hiring when ADP issues January payroll data. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg anticipate a gain of less than 200,000 in Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. Bloomberg Economics says January's ADP data will point to a slowdown in hiring, reflecting the impact of COVID-19 Omicron infections on businesses. February could usher in a recovery. In December, ADP reported businesses added more than 800,000 workers the most since May, though official government figures were less robust. Vinny Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Vinny, thanks. The big labor report comes Friday with government payrolls data for January and the Biden administration's lowering expectations on those. The White House says fallout from Omicron could overstate the number of unemployed people. Jared Bernstein is a member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. If you're not on the payroll, meaning you're sick or you're absent, so you're on some sort of unpaid leave, you're not going to be counted on the payroll for the payroll survey. And the fact is, um, virtually all of those folks likely still have their jobs. So when they go back in February, they'll be counted again. Jared Bernstein of the Council of Economic Advisors spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. 
Oil also in focus this morning. It's trading near a seven-year high ahead of an OPEC Plus meeting. OPEC and its allies are expected to approve another modest oil output increase today. At the same time, they could struggle to actually deliver that cut. And checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is up a quarter percent or 24 cents at $88.44 a barrel. Brent is up about two-tenths percent at $89.29. And uh, checking futures right now, uh, S&P futures are up 31 points. Dow futures up 36. NASDAQ futures are higher by 203 points. That's a gain of 1.4%. The 10-year Treasury yield, 1.79. Local headlines and the check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 35 degrees in Central Park. we got an accident on the inbound George Washington Bridge on the upper level. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A sea of blue expected again in New York City today at the funeral for Officer Wilbert Mora, the second of two NYPD officers killed in the line of duty last month. Awake for Mora, who was 27, was held yesterday. He was killed during a domestic disturbance call in Harlem, along with his partner, Jason Rivera. Morris funeral will be held at St. Patrick's Cathedral this morning in Midtown Manhattan, followed by a burial in Woodside, Queens. This as an off-duty NYPD officer was shot in Queens last night. He is expected to survive. NYPD Commissioner Keechan Sewell talked about the latest shooting. This young man was on his way to work, on his way to protect New Yorkers from criminals, Commissioner Sewell was alongside Mayor Eric Adams speaking to reporters. These officers every day put on their uniform, pin their shield on their chest, put that bulletproof vest on, and go back in the streets. With all of that frustration, they still go back and do their job. Now it's time for lawmakers to do their job. Mayor Adams is getting ready to host President Biden tomorrow for a discussion about gun violence. Russian President Vladimir Putin accused America and the West of ignoring Moscow's security concerns in the Ukraine controversy. Secretary of State Blinken, speaking with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov, says it was time for Russia to start withdrawing its troops from the border. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki. The door to diplomacy remains open. Uh, we don't know uh, what decision President Putin will make. Spokesperson Jen Psaki. A Democratic senator has suffered a stroke. His doctors say U.S. Senator Ben Lujan, who is 49, is expected to fully recover from a stroke and surgery to reduce swelling. However, with a 50-50 Senate, it has put a number of Democratic lead votes on hold for now. A major winter storm is expected to affect a huge swath of the U.S., with heavy snow starting in the Rockies and freezing rain as far south as Texas before it drops snow and ice on the Midwest. And it's Groundhog Day. People in Pennsylvania are waiting to learn whether Punxsutawney Phil predicts an early spring or six more weeks of winter. Staten Island Chuck will be live-streamed today. Global oh, News in 24 <laughs> hours a day. Two Buck Chuck on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 27, Michael. maybe. Journalist <laughs> and analyst from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Happy six more weeks of winter. I'm calling it, Michael. <laughs> Almost
610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. All right, Nathan, the greatest player ever retires and may not have been the biggest NFL story of the day. Tom Brady made his retirement official a lengthy post on social media that curiously never mentioned the Patriots, but you can expect Brady's number 12 to be retired at a Pats game next season. Tampa Bay now needs a quarterback. Meanwhile, a lawsuit filed in Manhattan Federal Court by Brian Flores, recently fired as the head coach of the Dolphins. It accuses the NFL and three teams, Miami, Denver, and the Giants, of racism in their hiring practices. Flores said that in 2019 in Denver and just recently with the Giants, he was interviewed for a head coaching job that he had no chance of getting. And he offered as proof a text he got last week from Bill Belichick who apparently meant it to go to Brian Dayball. He congratulated him on getting the Giants' job. It was before Flores even had his interview. Perhaps most shockingly, Flores said Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered to pay him more money if his team lost so they could get a better draft pick. Nets in Phoenix. Suns have won 40 of their last 46. They beat Brooklyn 121 to 111. Devin Booker scored 35. Rangers at the Garden beat Florida 5 to 2. Two more goals, both on the power play for Chris Kreider. Now 33 goals on the season, more than half of those with the man advantage. Islanders back to 500. 4-1 over Ottawa. The Devils, sixth straight loss, beaten by Toronto 7-1. St. John's lost to Big East, leading Providence 86-82. Pasha Alexander scored 29 for the Red Storm. Seton Hall won at Georgetown. Rutgers came from 24 down to force overtime, but lost by one at Northwestern. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are up 30 points. Dow futures up 34. NASDAQ futures still leading the gains up 193 points, a gain of 1.3%. The 10-year Treasury now down 132nd. The yield, 1.79%. More on the markets next with Brian Levitt of Invesco. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather clouds. Some sun at times today with a high near 45 degrees. We'll be in the mid-40s tomorrow with rain arriving in the afternoon. Rain ending is wet snow or sleet Friday with a high near 35. That's the current temperature. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Global stocks heading for the biggest four-day rally since November 2020. And U.S. stock index futures are jumping as companies from the U.S. to Europe report better than forecast earnings. And dip buying continues in technology shares. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 30 points. Dow futures up 33. And NASDAQ futures are up 193. That's up 1.3 percent. The DAX in Germany is up two-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 1.79 percent. The yield on the two-year, 1.17 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up two-tenths percent, or 13 cents, at $88.33 a barrel. COMEX gold up less than a tenth of a percent, up $1.20 at $18.02.70 an ounce. The euro, 1.1309 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3556. And the yen's at 114.39. Bitcoin this morning, it's moving lower at 38000 And today we get a report on private payrolls from the ADP Research Institute at 8.15 Wall Street time. And it's another big day for earnings. We hear from companies including Facebook parent Meta Platforms. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. U.S. hospital admissions for COVID-19 are receding in 34 states and the nation's capital, easing the health care staffing crisis 
that were widespread at the start of the year. The World Health Organization, though, warned countries not to ease restrictions prematurely. Former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores is suing the NFL and three teams, including the Giants, claiming, quote, the NFL is racially segregated and is managed much like a plantation. The Dolphins fired Flores last month after back-to-back winning seasons. The lawsuit even accuses Dolphins owner Stephen Ross of offering to pay Flores $100,000 for every loss during the 2019 season to secure a higher draft pick. In the NBA, the Nets and Wizards lost. The Warriors won. In the NHL, the Rangers, Islanders, and Bruins won. The Capitals won in OT against the Penguins 4-3. The Devils lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks for coming up to 620 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Brian Levitt joins us now, global market strategist at Invesco. Certainly seeing a lift to uh, tech futures uh, for sure, Brian, uh, with uh, Google earnings coming in as well as they did. Is the growth trade back? Yeah, I think investors had gotten too pessimistic on the growth trade. And part of the the reality of the pessimism of that growth trade was the expectation that long rates were going to go up substantially. I, I think what investors have to realize is that we are in a tightening cycle, and in a tightening cycle, you'd expect the yield curve to flatten and for growth prospects to slow. And in a slower growth environment, companies that can generate true earnings growth tend to be rewarded. So it's not to say that the year isn't going to continue to be volatile, but I think investors jump the gun to think that, you know, this was going to be a wholesale shift away from growth to value. I would focus on quality, and a lot of those growth companies are high-quality businesses that that generate very strong earnings growth And what's going to be a slowing economic environment. In a slowing economic environment, then, can tech companies like Alphabet, like Apple, continue on the trajectory that they've shown through the pandemic? I believe they can, um, and what you start, what you started to get to when when we saw the the big sell off that we had um, a handful of days ago was that some of these uh, really good quality tech businesses were moving towards valuations in some instances, like a Facebook that wasn't all that different than the valuations of the market. So we had gotten to you know, extreme pessimism across the market. We're getting a bounce here. It's not a surprise to see it led by by tech businesses, by the higher quality companies. Now, these markets, um, you know, a, a rally was in store. These markets uh, were, were bound to find some footing. It doesn't mean our challenges haven't gone away. We still have elevated inflation and multiple interest rate hikes ahead. But my view is that you want to hide out in quality during that environment. And the companies that you mentioned can certainly be viewed as, as good quality businesses given the state of their balance sheets uh, and given their abilities to grow in, in um, most economic backdrops. You mentioned the uncertainty around Fed policy. Are you starting to re-rate what you think the Fed's going to do in terms of the speed of rate hikes and how many rate hikes we get this year? Yeah, but the market has done a good job of, of pricing it in. I mean, even if you think about what ha- what's happened to the two-year Treasury, the two-year Treasury was below 20 basis points not that long ago and, and has moved closer to 120 basis points. So I would categorize that as a bond market that has already started to price in a lot of tightening. Financial conditions have tightened a bit. 
high yield spreads have moved up a bit, and the yield curve, the U.S. Treasury yield curve, has flattened meaningfully. So the, I, I guess we could take it as some good news that the market has already priced in a lot of it. What we need to see now is do inflation expectations start to come down, and is it possible that the Federal Reserve does not have to raise interest rates as significantly and as quickly as people think. Look, it's coming. We know the tightening is coming. Again, the market's priced in a lot of it. What I'm starting to see is survey data from the American consumer saying they're not willing to pay these prices anymore. It's not a good time to buy durable goods. They're saying it's not a good time to buy vehicles. To me, that means demand slows. As demand slows, some of the supply chain challenges hopefully start to ease. Maybe that allows the Fed to back off the tightening stance at some point. That's the hope. That would put the economy back into a more expansionary tilt. Um, but we'll have to see how this plays out. All right. Thanks for this, Brian. Good having you on with us this morning. Brian Levitt is a global market strategist at Invesco. It is 624 on Wall Street. This is The Big Take, the best of Bloomberg's in-depth original reporting from around the globe. We're running on a financial system that's running on old technology. We're seeing house prices reach fresh record highs. What unfolds in midterms, we will no doubt see again in the next presidential election. The Big Take on Bloomberg Radio. The Big Take this morning is about big bonuses, the likes of which Wall Street hasn't seen since really after the global financial crisis and the bailout from the federal government. Bloomberg Wall Street reporter Sri Natarajan is with us this morning, one of the authors of this morning's Big Take story. Sri, good to have you with us this morning. We have certainly seen how big these bonuses have been and the overall compensation packages for Wall Street bankers. You look at the CEOs of the big six Wall Street banks, and it's almost like an arms race in terms of uh, trying to retain and hold on to talent at the trading desks. Absolutely. We haven't seen this level of payout for the top rainmakers at the biggest banks in the United States in over 10 years. The last time that happened was one year after the Great financial crisis, and that invited a to get bigger on Wall Street. Bloomberg Wall Street reporter Sri Natarajan with us this morning with the Bloomberg Big Take. You can read all about it at Bloomberg.com slash Big Take, NI Big Take Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. Karen. Nathan, it is 6.30 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Karen Moscow along with Nathan Hager. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions just 12 to 18 basis points and no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Up first, NASDAQ futures are higher, building on three straight days of gains. The catalyst this morning, strong earnings from Alphabet. Angelo Zeno is an analyst at CFRA. You know, kind of going into the quarter, I think there might have been some concerns about some of the supply constraints going on in the market and potentially hindering some of the, the ad spend out there. But kind of look at the search business, and I think that's really kind of the big winner here, up 36% and really kind of blew our numbers away. CFRA analyst Angelo Zeno says a stock split is also lifting Alphabet shares. The company will increase its outstanding shares by a 20 to 1 ratio. And we're also watching another high-tech company rally this morning, Karen. Shares of AMD are up 11%. The chipmaker gave a surprisingly strong sales forecast, suggesting it's making further gains on rival Intel. This afternoon, we hear from Facebook parent Meta Platforms. 
General Motors is up nearly 1% in the pre-market. The company's earnings beat estimates. While its forecast was in line with predictions, GM sees the semiconductor shortage easing this year, but says lower volume and higher costs will restrain profit. Outside corporate earnings, Karen, a measured tone from the Fed is also boosting stocks. We get that story live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita. Nathan, central bank officials are laying out a gradual approach to the path for rate hikes this year. That differs from some Wall Street forecasts, which include as many as seven rate hikes this year and even a 50 basis point hike next month. So far, none of the Fed officials speaking this week have backed the idea of such an increase in March. The most hawkish of them all, St. Louis Fed President James Bullard says five hikes is, quote, not too bad a bet. Kansas City Fed Chief Esther George is another hawk, and she says ideally the Fed prefers to go gradually. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And oil is trading near a seven-year high ahead of an OPEC-plus meeting. OPEC and its allies are expected to approve another modest oil output increase today. At the same time, they'll have to struggle to deliver. Checking oil right now, NYMEX crude oil is now lower, down about two-tenths of a percent or 17 cents at $88.03 a barrel. And Brent is down about a third of a percent at $88.85. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And again, S&P futures are higher, up 32 points. Dow futures up 35. NASDAQ futures up 216. That's up 1.5%. And the 10-year Treasury, little change. The yield, 1.78%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thanks. 633 on Wall Street. We're at 34 degrees in Central Park. It's seeing 40-minute delays on the inbound upper level of the George Washington Bridge. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Funeral services will take place today for NYPD officer Wilbert Mora. The 27-year-old was killed in the line of duty last month along with his partner, Jason Rivera, Mora's organs were donated to help save at least five other lives. Mora will be buried in Queens after services at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. This as an off-duty NYPD officer was shot in Queens last night. He's expected to survive. Tomorrow, Mayor Eric Adams says he's getting ready to host President Biden for a discussion about gun violence. We're going to lay out clear items we need on the federal level just as we did with state lawmakers. Everyone must be on the same team. Adams will also be joined by New York Governor Kathy Hochul and other elected officials. Russian President Vladimir Putin is breaking his silence on the U.S. military support for Ukraine. Putin accused the U.S. and the West of ignoring Moscow's security concerns. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki. We don't know what President Putin is going to do. Uh, And it is our responsibility to, um, and it's an imperative, to uh, keep the door to diplomacy open. White House spokesperson Jen Psaki. Pfizer is asking U.S. regulators to authorize extra low doses of its COVID-19 vaccine for children five and under. The move could open the way for the very youngest Americans to start receiving shots by early March. The FBI is warning of cyber attacks aimed at disrupting the Beijing Olympics. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. 
The FBI warning says the targets will be entities associated with the Olympics and that they could have activities disrupted by a broad range of cyber movements. It warns of ransomware, malware, social engineering, data theft, phishing campaigns, and disinformation campaigns. The FBI is also sending a follow-up reminder to those traveling that they could be the targets of mobile phone attacks as well. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. ABC is suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks from The View after her response that the Holocaust was not related to race. ABC News President Kim Godwin says while Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Just about 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashar has a Bloomberg sports update. All right, Nathan, it was in 2014 that the Patriots, sensing that Tom Brady, then 37, was nearing the end of his brilliant career, drafted a quarterback to replace him. Jimmy Garoppolo, Brady said back then, when he stinks, he'll retire. He's now 44. He is retiring, but he never did stink. In fact, Brady's final season with Tampa Bay was one of his best, over 5,300 passing yards, 43 touchdowns. It's going to be very hard for anyone to break Brady's records. He's got 174 more touchdown passes than any active QB. Garoppolo never did replace Brady in New England. Maybe he'll do it now with Tampa Bay. The 49ers are expected to trade Garoppolo. Stunning allegations made by Brian Flores in the lawsuit he filed in Manhattan Federal Court accusing the NFL and three teams of racism in their hiring practices. Not only that the Broncos in 2019 and the Giants recently interviewed him for a head coaching job they knew they were not going to offer to him, but that in Flores' first season as head coach in Miami, owner Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 for each loss. He says Ross wanted to lose so they'd get a better draft pick. Nets lost in Phoenix, 121-111. Devin Booker scored 35. The Suns are 41-9. Rangers at the Garden beat Florida 5-2. Two more power play goals for Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, a goal to assist. Islanders beat Ottawa 4-1. Devils lost to Toronto 7-1. St. John's is upset. Bid fell short. Lost to Providence 86-82. Seton Hall beat Georgetown. Rutgers lost in overtime by one at Northwestern. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Shall we talk about Alphabet, Kriti? I guess we have to, Nathan, right? <laughs> well, Alphabet coming out, reporting some pretty great sales and profit. Uh, you do have the analyst over at BMO basically just summing it up by saying the search engine is crushing it again. That is a direct quote. Uh, but I think the real highlight when it comes to Alphabet is the fact that they are bringing back big stock splits, a 20-for-1 stock split to be exact. And this is, of course, so that prospective buyers won't need upwards of $3,000 to own a share. Uh, the CFO, Ruth Porat, says it's to make shares more accessible. So once again, trying to access the retail crowd. We know that Apple has done this before. It's, I'm curious what the next big company, big tech company is going to use uh, this method. But for now, it's actually gaining Alphabet about four price uh, upgrades or price target upgrades, I should say. 
It's not the only one who had a pretty blowout fourth quarter, though. AMD as well. Oh, I should mention, excuse me, Alphabet up <laughs> to over 10%. AMD also up over 10%. This comes after the chipmaker reported fourth quarter results that beat expectations, gaining itself two analysts to raise their price targets on the stock as well. AMD is also the ticker. And with it in sympathy, its latest acquisition, XLNX, uh, which is up 11%. That, of course, is Xilinx. I don't think the acquisition is closed yet, but you can see the stocks are trading very closely together. Yeah, obviously a lot of focus on tech this morning. What are you looking outside of tech, though? Yeah, a ton of tech. I guess this counts as maybe fintech here. PayPal is what's caught my okay. eye. PYPL is your ticker. Down 16%. It is the worst performer in the pre-market right now uh, of the S&P 500. We still have three hours to go before the opening bells, but still, PayPal kind of takes the cake, plummeting after saying its growth and spending on its platform continued to slow during the fourth quarter as economies around the world reopened and consumers flocked to in-store shops. PayPal is not alone in seeing this dynamic. Other fintech companies have as well. Afterpay, for example, has made uh, some similar comments. I should also mention another big downside mover, and that, of course, is Starbucks. SBUX is your ticker, down just shy of 3% in the pre-market. This comes after the company did release an updated forecast that projects a slight impact on profits, but really they emphasize those surging costs relate to labor and the ongoing pandemic. Nathan, I don't know when the last time you went to Starbucks was, but I was horrified when my coffee went from $5.75 to $6.21. It's above $5 now? It's above $5. My parents were like, I remember when coffee was $2.50. I was like, that's not in my lifetime. (laughs) Pre-Starbucks. Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Head back to the pantry. Go get some more coffee. We all know you'll need it uh, this morning and through the rest of the day as we keep tech earnings in focus. Of course, we heard from uh, Google's parent company, Alphabet. We're waiting for Meta Platforms to report after the closing bell. Taking a look at stocks as a whole ahead of the open this morning on this Wednesday. S&P futures are up 33 points. Dow futures up 38. Tech-heavy Nasdaq futures leading the gains this morning up 219 points or 1.5%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mix of sun and clouds today with a high near 45 degrees. Afternoon rain tomorrow, mid-40s. That rain could end as wet snow or sleet Friday with a high near 35. Currently 35 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and NASDAQ futures are jumping this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. And good morning, Karen. That's right. NASDAQ futures are surging on the heels of the Google earnings. Dow futures currently up 50 points. S&P's rise 34, while the NASDAQ futures are up 220. The U.S. 10-year yield at 1.79%. Gold and oil are a little changed. Bitcoin is also trading little changed, while European markets are in the green. This morning, back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.15 ADP employment change. And after the bell last night, PayPal reported a slower-than-expected finish to the year. Shares are plunging 16% in the pre-market. We mentioned Google. That company announced a 20-for-1 stock split. Starbucks warned on labor costs, and AMD reported strong sales guidance. Regarding earnings this morning, Boston Scientific beat estimates, and Capri Holdings raised fiscal year adjusted EPS outlook. Wrapping things up, Sunoco was cut to neutral at Citigroup. Under Armour raised overweight at Morgan Stanley, and PayPal was cut to market perform at Raymond James. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? 
All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Darren, thank you very much. In Virginia, students and staff at Bridgewater College are in mourning after two security officers were shot to death. The suspect is in custody. Fired Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores has sued the NFL and three teams, including the Giants, alleging racist hiring practices by the league. The Washington football team will announce its new name and logo today. In the NBA, the Nets and Wizards lost. The Warriors won. In the NHL, the Rangers, Islanders, and Bruins won. The Capitals won in OT. The Devils lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Big oil relocates to a different planet. I'm Liam Denning, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. ExxonMobil is on the move, shifting its HQ from the Dallas suburbs to America's oil capital, Houston. The oil major announced the relocation a day before reporting its best annual results in more than a decade. The office moves looks like standard rationalization. Exxon has a big campus already in Houston, and after recent layoffs, presumably has some spare desks. Yet booming profits might suggest there was little need for belt tightening. The two are, in fact, inextricably linked. Unlike back in 2008, Exxon's big free cash flow numbers reflect tight spending to recapture investors' confidence after several years of borrowing heavily to cover dividends. Being big oil these days means really sweating the small stuff. I'm Liam Denning. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N go on the Bloomberg terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, transforming computing professionals into data scientists to meet demand in this fast-growing field. Learn more at njit.edu slash data science. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. The World Health Organization warns that now is not the time to be lifting public health measures. The WHO said that COVID case reporting is an underestimate and not a great proxy for understanding virus circulation. That came on the same day that New York State reported a 92 percent drop in infections from the peak a few weeks ago. New Orleans is requiring COVID vaccinations for all students ages 5 and up. That makes it one of the first major school districts to require such mandates. Families may still claim exemptions for philosophical, religious, or medical needs. And Senators Ed Markey and Elizabeth Warren, both Democrats from Massachusetts, called on the Justice Department to crack down on retailers selling counterfeit masks. Reports of fraudulent or counterfeit masks have skyrocketed during the pandemic, as have prices. The senator's letter comes as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention updated its mask advice last month to reflect that respirator-style face coverings, KN95s or N95s, are more effective at preventing COVID-19 transmission than cloth or surgical masks. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include Senate Democrats regrouping after a defeat on voting rights, Republican opposition building to the U.S.-China competition bill in the House, and Democratic Senator Ben Ray Lujan recovering from a stroke. Also making news, President Biden reviving the cancer moonshot with an ambitious plan 
to cut the death rate in half. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins this morning. Uh, Emily, this was an issue that was near and dear to President Biden's heart when he was Vice President Biden. So what's the plan to bring it back now, the cancer moonshot? So, Nathan, the idea for this is to really sort of re-up the program, kind of give it a new life, uh, really continue pushing with it. I mean, remember, initially the program got $1.8 billion in funding. Uh, not all of that, I think, has been spent. Um, there's also just sort of a, a new desire for the Biden administration to start talking about this issue again. Obviously, as you mentioned, it's very close to President Biden's heart, given that his son, Beau, passed after a very aggressive brain cancer. Um, You know, one thing to note is that the White House, they're not really talking about curing cancer anymore, but they want to talk about making progress on cancer, Um, finding the new research, allowing people to either live longer or be able to beat their cancer. And so these are all things, I mean, obviously this is an issue, once again, close to Biden's heart, something he really cares about. The White House won't be allocating new funding for this, but they're going to be looking for other ways to really sort of invigorate the research around cancer. It is interesting to see this issue revived for President Biden after all the setbacks he's seen over the last few months, whether you're talking about the voting rights legislation or his overall economic agenda. Yeah, Biden has not been having a a very good, I'd say, last year, uh, half year, and the polling numbers reflect that. I mean, it's not just his legislation going down. Um, It is also things like Afghanistan, things like Omicron, things like really high inflation. And now we're headed towards a potentially harmful jobs report come uh, Friday. And so these are sort of a way for the White House to focus on something that they can do going forward, sort of a a common issue um, in our very politicized Washington, at least one thing that, that most people can agree on how to move forward on it is cancer. And another issue that had seen some bipartisan support that I know you're keeping an eye on is this U.S.-China competition bill. But we are hearing and seeing a lot more Republican criticism uh, coming up, particularly in the House and its version of the bill. Yes. So remember, the House and the Senate, they're dealing with different versions of the bill here. The Senate version of the bill, it was bipartisan. It did get Republican support, but the House has put out their own version, and Republicans have been pretty uniformly opposed to it. Um, They say that this bill, it's not tough enough on China, that it has a lot of provisions in there that they feel are sort of Democratic wish list items uh, like climate that don't necessarily have to do with uh, the Chinese Communist Party and with research. And so that is why Republicans are really not expected to be voting for this legislation. Uh, It was debated uh, and approved by a panel last night. It's been teed up for floor action this week. And at this point, we're expecting it to just move with only Democratic votes. That said, Nathan, then this bill does have to go because the House and Senate passed different versions. They got to get together. They got to figure out what their final bill is going to look like. And that's the one that really would need more Republican support. Technically, Republicans in the House aren't, aren't needed to pass anything if Democrats can just all stick together. But in the Senate, that's not the case. And, and Democrats certainly want their Republican colleagues in both chambers to come along with them. We only have about 30 seconds left here, Emily, but we're getting another reminder of just how fragile the Senate majority is for Democrats with one of their members suffering a stroke. The good news is that uh, Ben Ray Lujan is expected to make a full recovery. But, yes, it's, it's a huge reminder, Nathan, that this 50-vote uh, majority, it's, it's pretty fragile. I mean, we have seen 
senators, um, you know, die in, in the past. Thank John McCain. Uh, we've, it's a, it's an older group. Um, although I have to say, Ben Ray Lujan is one of the younger ones. He is only 49 years old. Uh, and so I think that's sort of a, a big reminder of the majorities that, that President Biden is dealing with here and a reminder as, uh, people are waiting for him mm-hmm. to make his announcement on Supreme Court nominee. Oh, certainly. Bloomberg Government reporter Emily Wilkins with us this morning from Washington. Karen. Nathan, thank you. 656 on Wall Street. And this is Bloomberg Daybreak. February is Black History Month, and every day this month we're celebrating significant moments in U.S. black history. Now with your installment for February 2nd, here's Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in black history in 2009, Eric Holder became the first black attorney general of the United States of America. He was confirmed as the 82nd attorney general of the nation. Then President Barack Obama nominated Holder months before, and he served more than six years as Obama's attorney general. This made him the third longest serving attorney general in U.S. history. Today, Holder advises clients on complex investigations and litigation matters at international law firm Covington and Burling. That's Today in Black History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. And again, futures on the rise this morning, led by NASDAQ futures, which are up 225 points or one and a half percent. S&P futures are up 35 and Dow futures up 45. And the 10-year Treasury little change, the yield 1.78 percent. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. For Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.